You know, I watched that. Um, I watched that uh, Biden speech. Oh yeah, how'd you like it? Um, <laughs> He's pretty I riveting, thought, huh? <laughs> so the rosary thing, I didn't think was that bad. That could easily have been like he was thinking about his son dying and he got choked up and he didn't want to cry. Yeah, sure. There, there's a spin. The LCC thing. When he walked away, he shouldn't have been baited by the journalists. And I do think the journalists were just like, rah, 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 like I mean, yeah, they're trying dogs to get anything barking at them, a mailman. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, that's their job, right? Like they should be yeah. fucking, you know, kicking his ass as much as they can, so, as much as they can. So before we get into meat of everything, I got this new mixer, and I'm hoping that it works. But check out, check check, check this, this out. out. Can, can you hear? Can you hear, can you hear this? this? Sounds like double. Yeah, it's reverb. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a reverb cool. button that just fucks your audio up? Yeah. So I got like all, all these, these different, different effects, effects that, that I can, can fuck with my voice. voice. How's, How's that, that one? one? Is that um, cool? It's it's echoey. It's it's got you put reverb on yourself, right? It's like echoey. Propagandos. <laughs> audio sounds like shit. 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 So the the trick though is that um I can't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> You just keep it on while you're talking, and I'm just like, I can't focus, man. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I turned it off. I know I turned it off, but I, um, my boss was out, and I, um, I'm helping some students with like um, doing some audio journalism and podcasting. So I got some new equipment to just tinker with, and I spent all of yesterday just doing tests. And my office mate was probably getting very annoyed with me being like, test, 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 testing. <laughs> I'm testing the mic. High test. The high test podcast environment. Glenda gargles balls most <laughs> gloriously. <laughs> Is that a real like a warm up? No, uh, no. That one rules. No. I like that one a lot. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I was saying, I watched the Biden thing. It was it was painful. He shouldn't have taken any questions. He shouldn't have gone off script. Um but one of the things we were talking about on the phone yesterday is like, is Bi- are Biden's memory problems being drummed up? Like, are they being played up uh, through clever editing, through just like, you know, constant clips on Twitter? Like, I saw so many clips of Biden fumbling in the speech, but he only fumbled like two times in the entire speech. I mean, I think the, the rest of it is like, he only fumbles a couple times, but the rest of the time he's slow as fuck to get to his point. It just he sounds like he's about to lose it at any you know um, on on like on any part of a sentence. Yeah, um, and then you showed me a video from 2016 where he's just like pretty uh, sharp. Yeah, just, and, somebody uh, just posted that where he was criticizing the Hillary campaign and uh, and kind of doing like left populism, right? When he does his like uh, I actually care about workers shtick. Mm-hmm. Which he can do. He used to be able to like turn on pretty effectively. Um, not so much anymore. But yeah, I would like to see his speaking style at the beginning of his presidency. Like I, I, I kind of want to rewatch his inauguration speech and see like, is it really that bad? Because I remember the classic line in the Trump Biden debates was just the, "Will you shut up, man?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, owned, fucking yeah. owned." <laughs> He yeah. said what no one's willing to say. Yeah, he, he told him to shut up. Yeah, I mean, it's not good, right? Yeah. Oh, well. 
And I think I, I think also I think one of the problems is like the inverse of what you're talking about, which is that people are so used to listening to Biden kind of stumble through fucking sentences that you'd really have to listen to him on a different recording to be like, oh wow, he's degenerated quite a bit, right? Like he's just way way slower and uh, and 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 more rocky in everything that he tries to convey. So some of the stuff that we were trying to talk about last week, um, one was Metal Gear Solid Two. Um, I just finished beating it for the umpteenth time. I think I've beaten that game more than I've beaten any other game I've ever played. And it's been a week, so I've already forgotten some of the finer points. But just talking about um, the digital age, bringing about the ability for people to kind of create their own identities, create their own truth, create their own realities and recede into those realities, not necessarily virtual realities, although since it's taking place in a virtual space, I guess technically you could argue for a virtual reality, but you're not putting on a helmet. You're just looking at your phone and, you know, creating a world where it's just like Biden is such a a bumbling fuck up and he's never done anything right for this country and completely ignoring just, um, just how bad 2020 actually was. Not just economically, but like the vibes. I I mean, there were protests nonstop, um, uprisings rather. You know, people were starting to get seriously worried. Is Trump going to authorize, you know, opening fire on civilians? And yeah. now we don't really have that fear. Um. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. There's still a bunch of. I, I think I was. Uh, I was replying to a guy on Twitter. You know, like yesterday. Uh, that was talking about Ukraine and how, like, Ukraine needs to win because otherwise Putin's going to, you know, invade a NATO country to pull the o- U.S. away from Ukraine. And, like, my response is, like, well, why didn't, haven't they done that already? And the answer was, like, because of the United States. So it's like this, like, chicken and egg thing. The the idea is, like, well, when, when Trump comes back into office, you know, uh, he's just going to let uh, Putin run rampant or whatever. And I'm pretty sure there's, there's, there's part of the... Uh, there's part of, like, the, both the Republican and the Democratic Party that basically think that about China, right? That, like, it's not that, you know, Trump's a, a Putin stooge uh, for, for a lot of those guys, but then Trump is, like, too incompetent to um, reasonably challenge, you know, the Chinese when it comes to, I guess, them doing a D-Day on fucking Taiwan. <laughs> do you think Trump would um, do anything about China trying to uh, take back Taiwan? Uh... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to imagine he would, just because, you know, everybody in Washington is going to be so fucking up in arms, right, if, like, yeah. if, if that kind of thing happened, that he would be forced to respond. Um, I mean, you know, the, the the hope, the presumption is that the Chinese, like, know that, um, that, that, uh, that this would cause, like, World War Three. that basically are, like, are, uh, for, for the Americans, that our hand would be forced, and so therefore you just don't do it, right, because... Presumably, on some level, they actually do give a shit about like the whether or not the people of Taiwan are alive, right? Like, hopefully, like some of that uh, s- sentiment about them being like proper Chinese folk is true. No. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm my hope is that Trump comes into office and then invades Taiwan himself, right? That like the United States just takes Taiwan <laughs> and, and then gifts it to China. <laughs> <laughs> That'll boost relations. Yeah, just like the Statue um, of Liberty, except it's a whole fucking island. 
You know, I read a really good piece on, uh, I believe it was Liberation um, News, but it was about, um, it was basically an analysis of Taiwanese election results and how um, because the uh, Independence Party won, there's a lot of, at least in my feed, I saw a lot of Republicans, your Dan Crenshaw's, your Ted Cruz's, celebrating the the victory of the party. And excuse me, I do not know the name of the three major Taiwanese parties. I didn't write this down. Um, uh, KMT, there's one, the BJP. I <laughs> know that's uh, that's India, uh, uh, and the and the PIS, the Polish uh, the Polish <laughs> Party. Um, but basically, the fact that um, they didn't necessarily win a majority, and they've had like slowly uh, 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 diminishing returns on elections, which is an indication that like Taiwan is not as unified as people are as Americans are, 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 are portraying them as. They're really more of like, there's a growing sentiment within Taiwan, at least according to the polling data <clears throat> or election results data, that um, they want more collaboration with China. And there's still the idea of like, we'll figure out reunification later. We don't want to figure it out right now. And they're just like constantly putting it off. It's such at least a weird that's case. My, yeah, like in, in the coverage that I was reading, like one of the things to be outlined is that um, the, the relationship with China is the most important issue for international audiences. It's what we always ask about, but it's not what drives their fucking politics every year, right? Like they, they got a bunch of shit going on that does not have to do with whether or not they're going to be like, whether or not they're going to unify with China tomorrow, right? A lot of practical issues of governance. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, but on the, on the flip side, right? Like you see a kind of a breakdown of what I understand to be a fairly recent kind of liberal... Uh, uh, a liberal status quo over the issue of whether or not they're they're going to be standoffish or um, or like assertive or friendly towards uh, the Chinese. Right? Yeah, towards mainland I'm gonna, China. I guess you're supposed to say. Yeah, I'm going to mark this so I can remove it. But it's just like, uh oh, I think you, I lost you, or maybe my oh, headphone went out. Oh, 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 hey, wait, no, hey, wait, 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 wait. I'm oh, here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, I keep the 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 key to mark stuff in adobe audition is the same key to mute my mic and other applications <laughs> is it m? So i gotta make is it yeah fucking so i gotta m? make sure i'm in the right thing <laughs> i gotta change the keystroke on that but i marked it because i wanted to uh and this is great we can cut this out completely because i fucked up the uh no, the we can leave it mic. in for sure but i want to uh <laughs> no no okay uh, and that i marked that we'll cut all that out <laughs> no it's fine i i, I do you want me to do? You, do you want to pick up the edits from now on or something? I can do that. I can. Because I, I was gonna, I was gonna try to like do just editing like okay. after this. Because I'm gonna be taking care of the, I'm gonna be taking care of the kiddo. We got the baptism tomorrow, so Rachel's gonna go find him. Oh, some clothes congratulations! To wear. Oh, I don't okay. give a fuck. What everybody's saying that they're like congratulations on the baptism. I'm like, you just call them. And they're like, yeah, sure, your fucking kid will okay, definitely okay. pour water on I forget, on you don't Absolutely. really give a fuck. I mean, I don't either. I just, like, forgot that you don't give a fuck. Dude, my mom got upset. My mom, like, I was like, hey, by the way, the baptism's, like, fucking on Sunday if you want to come. And she's like, I'm busy. Why didn't you tell me earlier? And I'm like, you were, like, the fakest, like, you hate the church. <laughs> what the fuck? She really? hates the church. Yeah. So, Pol she's Polish, like, born and raised and yeah. lived most of her adult life in Poland, from what I understand. Until, you know, until you were born. But um, I don't know enough about Polish-Soviet history. Was, was she raised in the church? No, she's just mm. a lib. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, kind of everybody was. I mean, Polish Poland is famously, like, ultra-Catholic. 
um, still to this day. I mean, they, they have like they have religion classes in public schools, which is, I think, kind of unthinkable to Americans. Um, but um, okay. yeah, I, I mean, I, when I was when I was in school, they had a they had a a, a school priest in a public school, right? Which is like for an American, when you move over there, you're like, this is yeah. fucking wild. <laughs> there's a there's a church, a guy from the church in a public school. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, she's just a lib, right? She moved to the United States. She doesn't like the Polish system, so she's uh, you know, she doesn't mm. like the church. A lot of Polish okay. libs are like that. And she still like really wants to be there for the uh, the baby's baptism. No, I think she just wants to hang out with the baby, yeah. which fair enough. Are right? you naming but a uh, like godparents or anything at the baptism? Yeah, I got my uh, I got my cousin, and um, Rachel's got her like assistant coach. You know, you're supposed to pick somebody that's a good Catholic. <laughs> When I was 11 or 12, my nephew was born, and at 12 years old, I became a godfather. It's like, oh, man, this is such a responsibility. So for, like, the summer, my my summer of being 12 years old, I was just like, all right, I got to shape up or ship out. Like, I could I could be a dad any moment. <laughs> you know, my brother was in Afghanistan. I was like, fucking Osama could put a bullet in his head, and then, you know, I got a baby. It's weird too because like if you have good Catholic families like big families, it's not like realistically if if like uh, if 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 they end up an orphan they're gonna go live with their godparent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's such a distant reality. Yeah, I would not be. I don't think I'd be a very good parent. It's all yeah. You're right. It, it's better to just like go live with the grandparents, not the cousin. I. I mean, brother, I'm not a good parent, so. <laughs> And I'm you doing it been a parent fine. for a couple months. Yeah, and I'm fucking suck at it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just constantly dropping my baby on the floor. <laughs> just, I can't even pick him up. He's like constantly just you, slipping and falling. One day you're gonna come home, and Rachel's gonna uh, sorry, um, your wife is going to say, uh, "Where's the baby?" And you're like, "I traded him for some magic beans." <laughs> <laughs> we'll be rich. We'll have we'll have a hundred kids. <laughs> we can just go buy him back. <laughs> Have you ever like I have has somebody already done this joke like how how like crypto is literally just like magic beans like on the internet? No, no, they ha- I don't I, I haven't heard that before. Okay, well they're magic beans, folks. I spoiled the fucking punchline. But I figure out a setup and you got a joke there. They're magic beans. Is, I don't know. Is if that's crypto coming back? Not. I there was a point in time where I was Fuck like no. really following crypto news and not in any way, shape, or form. I like I was a big blockchain guy and I hated crypto. Um, and so I always get a thrill when crypto crashes, but it, it, it creeps up. There's just like one celebrity taps into something and suddenly everyone's into crypto again. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, there were all those, um, I, I like, I, I imagine crypto would skyrocket if like a, um, if, if all of a sudden money laundering for some reason, um, shot yeah. up, right? Like if, um, if, a, if, if there was a state in you know, Middle East or Africa or something that was just like falling apart. I could see like a, a, a big giant bump in crypto as a result of that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, way more uh, about monetary and fiscal policy than I do. But if uh, BRICS really takes off and the dollar is, is devalued across the world, would that be an impetus for crypto to uh, have a revival? Because I know crypto, there's like a lot of crypto trading it. in uh, like Venezuela, for instance, because um, it helps people get money to and from the country. Yeah, so, I mean, th- that's uh, that's 
pretty much what its primary use is now, right? So anything that can't go through a kind of standard means, right, or or would be taxed through a standard means. So people are using it for money laundering. People are using it to uh, move money um, offshore illegally <laughs> and to store large amounts of money, right? I mean, the, I, I think the, 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 the kind of um, the conspiracy head idea about it, which I, which I think is at least in part very true, as if if you have a bunch of free money, right? If you're like the CIA and you're doing I don't know uh, cocaine trading, and you have all this money, you have to get to the fucking to the contras, right? Um, crypto would be perfect for something like that. If the money is free and the only problem is how do we move it, right? And 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 people who are already usually willing to pay a large uh, percentage um, to launder money because that shit's not free, right? By any means, it's not like a it's not even a single digit percentage, right? You're paying a, a huge sum to to get illicit monies out of a place somewhere else. Um, those are all built for crypto, and I think those are going to be the big drivers of crypto traffic. You're, you're, nobody's ever going to realistically be buying pizzas with crypto anymore, gotcha. right? Now that now that the volume of uh, mining and therefore the the associated cost of trading is so much higher, uh, those like gas fees that everybody talks about, right? Um, that network is is um, is too strained, right? I think to uh, to allow for small purchases to to flourish. But there's a you know there's a, a tremendous use case for illicit money, right? Black markets exist pretty much everywhere yeah. in some form, um, and crypto is always going to be there for that. There's a Bitcoin ATM in my neighborhood, and I I don't I never see anyone dealing with it. But there's also a bar very close to my neighborhood, Neil's Bar. It's like a nerd bar, and they were taking Bitcoin for a bit. Um, I think specifically Bitcoin, no other crypto. You should walk up and ask if they're yeah. still doing that. I, I almost, I almost want to say they they would just be yeah. like that. Yeah. There's 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 like something. I, I mean, I don't know if we want to go too far into this. There's, there's something also to be said about um, about the, the fluctuation in value of something. It's really really difficult to accept a currency that like even locally um, that that isn't largely locally accepted. That also has a lot of swing in valuation. So, so you could say like, well, the dollar, you know, the value of a dollar changes relative to other currencies um, all the time, and that's true. But we don't really feel that, right? The the, the prices of milk at the store, or the prices of your rent, or uh, you know, your mortgage payment, or the amount that you get paid from your fucking job, right? That shit doesn't change on a day to day or hourly basis. But crypto can fluctuate in large chunks, right? Up and down, especially down, right? Like imagine you get paid a bunch of Bitcoin and then the fucking price, you know, uh, crashes 20% overnight. You, know, in- you can't run a business if you're losing 20% on an exchange. You know, what's interesting you know? is my girlfriend for a while worked for a Japanese company and would get paid uh, in the Japanese currency, um, which I'm blanking on right now, the yen. And yeah. um, that... If the Japanese currency was strong, she had a good paycheck. If it was weak, then she was like, I don't know how I'm going to make bills this month. And it was very, uh, I mean, I'm glad that she moved on to other stuff, but like it was pretty stressful for a second there. We touched on Metal Gear Solid. We were going to talk about UNRWA and um, the UNRWA defunding and how like the propaganda behind that. Which we absolutely can do. And one other thing we wanted to talk about today was just like kind of laying out what is propaganda and our thoughts on propaganda. 
Um, and so do you want to talk about UNRWA first, or do you want me to go into my spiel on propaganda? Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the, the UNRWA story um, was, was kind of pertinent to last week. Um, I don't mind name-dropping another podcast, but um, Chapo covered it on, on their kind of late week, weekend podcast and basically said in, in much more detail, uh, much more granularly, kind of the things that I want to talk about. I was just shocked. I mean, speaking of propaganda, I was just, I was straight up shocked by the fact that, um, that, that it wasn't frontline news, that it wasn't, it wasn't, um, in any headline that the report that the UNRWA, um, um, cutting of funding, right? All, all this defunding that went on, um, uh, I mean, I think they lost something like three quarters of their funding basically within a week. Um, the, 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 the quote unquote evidence, right, that was, um, that was uh, offered by the Israelis to the United States and to those other member countries, and uh, apparently that a couple uh, newspapers looked through, uh, was not made publicly available. So, the, like you're talking about a six-page dossier that implicates, you know, these these um, these Palestinian uh, UNRWA uh, employees, and the fucking general public can't look at it, right? And you know, I there's there's a level of kind of uh, uh, quiet skepticism in some publications. But I can be pretty open about my fucking skepticism, right? I've been paying attention to this war since it began. Um, and uh, you can't trust anything the fucking Israelis publish, right? Like, I better see uh, I better see video proof attached to the thing that they're claiming for me to even consider it at this point, right? Because everything that they say is fucking... Some of it is debunked on yeah. the spot, right? If not, people are offering uh, uh, quite a bit of... Um, People offering pushback and and a bunch of like open questions being laid out that they don't answer, and then three weeks later they just you know admit mm-hmm. that it was made up. I remember in uh, November or December of last year, um, in the earlier phases of the war, there it, 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 within twenty four hours things could have been debunked, and um, now it's like to what you said, like on the spot, and there were some. Comp- I mean, an hour after they make a tweet, something yeah. can be debunked. And right? it's definitely, uh, I know comparisons were made early on of like, this is what it feels like when the Iraq war was going on. And it's just like, well, what evidence? What are you talking about? And countries weren't even questioning it. Uh, I mean, you know, U.S. allies weren't questioning it. I'll say that. Um, but now you're seeing like Canada has even come out, the Canadian government has come out to say like, we have not really seen the evidence that's being discussed that's being used to de- uh, uh, to, to, to cut funding to UNRWA. And something that you pointed out to me yesterday is that like, you know, there, the UNRWA tried to salvage its funding by firing people that were accused of supporting Hamas and it didn't, made no effect. So like, it, 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 it's clearly not about individuals that are supporting Hamas. It is about a organization that is supporting Palestine. Yeah. Canada, by the way, uh, coming, like, making an announcement about uh, the uh, dismantling UNRWA after they had already cut fucking funding, right? And it's not like the funding is going to go back. It's already done. So, I mean, to just as a preface to, like, you know, a conversation more broadly about propaganda and what it is, um, sometimes propaganda is as simple as just like a fig leaf, right? Which is to say a, I mean, and that's growingly, it seems like that is what, um, you know, th- that is it, at least in international news, that's what a lot of statements that we make about Gaza, but not just about Gaza are, uh, in the United States, right? Which is a, 
a, a flimsy and kind of barely textual pretext for what we're going to do already. It's it's just the the kind of it it is it is it solely exists as a thing that a press secretary can say that exists as a distraction for a couple days to a week to maybe two that you know by and large nobody has follow up questions on and then gets debunked well after anybody yeah. cares. And if not debunked, um, definitely not verified. Um, you know, we were talking about the Steele dossier, how like, look, we all want to see the P-tape. We all want to see Trump paying prostitutes to piss on Obama's bed. Likely doesn't exist. I would love yeah. to see that. I mean, I would be overjoyed. Yeah. But it, it's um, also like, it's not necessarily been debunked, but there are things that's like, Trump is, you know, kind of a known germaphobe. Why would he pay to, to <laughs> people to? You're right. Yeah, de- debunked is actually the wrong. Debunked actually gives it a little bit too yeah. much credit because debunked implies that there was a claim and some evidence that had to be uh, proven incorrect, yeah. right? And in a lot of these cases, there's not even that, right? It's just it's just straight up. Here's a, we're just going to say this thing. And you say, like, was there any evidence for this? And they say, what are you talking about? Yeah. We're on to the next thing, right? Do you We're have evidence? Yeah. Or, in a lot of cases, I mean, you know, like, shaming about rape. <laughs> it's just, it's so fucking horrifying in, like, Gaza, right? When you say, like, is there evidence for these claims about, uh, you know, mass mass rapes by, by Hamas? And they go, like, how dare you say that? And it's like, this is unfucking yeah, believable it, it puts you in a you very uh, difficult position to just, like, Hey, I now have to become a rape skeptic in order to like verify yeah, 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 yeah. The, these claims that you're making, um, which sucks. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? I mean, the most opportune use for those it it it, it is it has struck me, and I'm not I'm not you know I'm not trying to be one of those uh you know kind of crypto right wing contrarians that says you know well this is why you shouldn't have had me too, but it's. It's uh, because that's not true. Because yes. Me Too is important, and uh, and you know, speaking out about sexual violence is important. Uh, but at the same time, I I think it's important to acknowledge that the people that have used that to the greatest political effect are just straight up governments, right? They take that language and they weaponize it in a way that because they have more reach and power yeah. than you do, it's always going to be a stronger, um, you know, a, a, a more potent weapon than. Um, than those than those grassroots efforts that kind of initiate and create they're, those. They're very terms. very people in power are very very good at co opting and capitalizing upon the the spirit of the moment, and you, you know we to what you just said about Me Too and speaking out about sexual violence. Also, whenever there's a big push in uh, identity politics being a focus, that is when you see you know people on the right. Let's be fair. Uh, just like appointing and hiring people of color that are willing to uh, go along with the political messages that they want to push. You know, I, I think of Trump with Omarosa uh, as like the biggest example in my mind right now, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that um, governments are very, very good at, unfortunately. Maybe we're... Do we have any border shit to talk uh, about? Not really. No. Not really. I mean, people came to the border expecting an invasion. They're like, oh, there's nothing happening. And it's just a bunch of people selling hats and flags. By the way, we fucking told yeah. you so. It's nothing. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> no, because nobody's going to show up with a fucking gun to challenge the. Nobody's going to mm-hmm. take off work to drive over there to the middle of fucking nowhere 
and bring a gun to what? Challenge a federal fucking <laughs> officer of the law? That's not happening. The governor of Alaska wants to start spending money every month on sending troops to Texas, but like that's probably not going to go anywhere. It was a large amount of money. I think it was like a million dollars a month. I could be wrong. <sighs> well, but you can't debunk it. You know, that's propaganda for you. The burden of proof is not on me. <laughs> even though yeah, even though technically true. it is. No, it ain't. So the, the the we've 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 been doing this for a few weeks now and we haven't really done a proper like explanation or primer on like propaganda. So it's a it's a term that gets thrown around quite a lot, but to to give y'all like um kind of a, a, a primer, like I just said, on what it is. Propaganda is nothing more than just a long-term sustained media campaign to push a certain message or achieve a certain goal. And by that, propaganda is therefore not good or evil. It is simply a tool. You have propaganda... For Take COVID-19, for example. You have propaganda on... Um, the the far right, and in some cases the far left, like the more holistic uh, uh, conspirituality kind of approach, which is that you know vaccines will change your DNA. They're putting microchips in you, uh, vaccine shedding, and the goalposts are always moving for people like that, where it's just like um, COVID's not real. It's it, it it's a fake made up thing. And then once people start in their circle start getting COVID, it's like, well, COVID's actually uh created by uh the Chinese or Bill Gates. So take your pick. And then the vaccine's not good, you shouldn't get it. Or like the yeah, it, it's just crazy. Like think about how people are now saying like Travis Kelsey was not a good football player until he got vaccinated. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> that is correct. That's awesome. I, I mean I think that that point highlights the thing that that I actually like almost used to identify uh, uh, propaganda, uh, which is it's which is it, it's it's like politically charged information that is basically only useful to the party that's saying mm-hmm. it usually, um, yes. because the 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 let, let's say you're yeah let's say you're a, a COVID skeptic right or or uh, just straight up an anti-vaxxer you believe that vaccines are are corrupting the human genome. Um, Virtually nobody in the general public is buying that shit if you just hit them with it. If you just walk up to somebody on the street... Well, I, I shouldn't use that example because walking up to somebody on the street is the, the worst way to convince them of anything. But, uh, but yeah, but if you, if, you, if you know somebody and you even have like a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of respect for them and they hit you with some anti-vax shit, I don't think most people are going to be convinced. You already have to have an innate skepticism of like a yes. medical... Uh, of like the medical establishment, let's say, right, for that to work, and I would say that the vast majority of the, of of the, um, of the anti-vax propaganda, right, is consumed by people who are already yes. anti-vax. That's a very very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Propaganda, watching a propaganda film is not going to change your mind unless you are already kind of into that. And uh, 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 to that point, Alec, when you and I went to go see Sound of Freedom in theaters in a (laughs) packed house. Which we loved, by the way. It's actually kind of a good movie. You cut 30 minutes. You made that movie 90 minutes. It would be like a very fun Denzel Washington level like action film. Um, But there's a point in the film uh, post credits where the main actor, Jim Caviezel, is talking directly to the audience saying like, this is happening. And only you can stop it. 
We have to stop the, the politicians and the tech billionaires. And we looked around the theater, and there were people in the theaters nodding their heads and going like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People to my left and people to your right were crying during that film. And <laughs> that, that lady that was like, oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> it's yeah. so awesome. And she was just, like, shaking her head and be like, mm, mm-mm. And you and I were, like, trying desperately hard not to laugh at lines like, never trust a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> I I laughed I laughed pretty loud a couple times I think, uh, but I tried to yeah. keep it to a minimum and because we you know don't believe well it's not that we disbelieve in a massive sex trafficking circle it's that it I'm a big <laughs> Epstein guy which means I'm a I'm a big Epstein supporter <laughs> I, I I'm I'm like. I'd say I'm pretty big into the Epstein conspiracy, much more so than like your yeah. average person. Um, so on a on a very basic level, there's a lot in what somebody who watches Sound of Freedom believes that I also mm-hmm. believe. They're pointing to all the wrong people for all yeah. the wrong reasons. But we do share a huge part of our worldview in yeah. that way. That, that That's for a completely other episode, but yes, it, it, it's... That, but Sound of Freedom. It, that's that's to say, Sound of Freedom is not going to work on right. That, right. It worked on members of my family who definitely were like, "Those Clintons are up to no good." I'm like, "Well, why is Trump in those photos?" Mm, no, but that's yeah. true. I, I also think the Clintons yeah, are up to something. But that's that's the thing. It's like we see it as this apolitical uh, extension of pure power, and the people in Sound of Freedom are like. They didn't say to do with the Democrats because they want to appeal to everybody. It's like, well. <laughs> now, um, to go back to COVID, like, good propaganda. I'm using finger quotes. You can't see it. But a, quote, unquote, good propaganda campaign is wash your hands, wear a mask, practice distancing, you know, social distancing. And implementing that through advertising campaigns, Instagram ads, you go on the bus or the subway and you see those. That is a long-term, you can call it an advertising campaign, you can call it a marketing campaign, but because you are trying to push this message and implement people acting a certain way, and to Alex's point, like people who already just want to be safe from COVID, that is like a, a a good kind of propaganda, but it is still nonetheless a propaganda campaign. Yeah. Good propaganda. Start a union. Uh, you know, find out your boss's yeah. address. Steal yeah. from the grocery store. Buy gasoline yeah. in Put large quantities. Put it in quantities. Tupperware in the trunk of your car. Your car will not explode. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the funniest thing that happened in 2020, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, oh, did somebody's oh, car explode? Yeah. From... Remember when people were buying gas <laughs> yeah, and just like. I'm gonna take it home with me, and like, was this because of the election? I think because the economy was melting down, and everyone—I mean, 2020, everyone was kind of losing their mind. So they just, oh, 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 because of COVID. Yeah. I'm such a dumbass, yeah, dude. COVID. Um, COVID. And so I, I also want to talk about things that are uh, like white propaganda, where you un, you know the source of the propaganda. So what I just said about the. Um, Wash your hands, wear a mask thing. That is from the CDC. You know where the source of this propaganda campaign is coming from. As opposed to... Yeah, yeah. George <laughs> As opposed to black propaganda, which is something that you do not know the source of. And uh, examples of this are books like 
protocols of the elders of Zion. Like truly, it you know that was that was pushed to say like there's a Jewish conspiracy. Turns out it was written by like Russian czars trying to like sow discontent w- among like the Bolsheviks. And uh, another thing would be sorry, gotta say it, the fucking Steele dossier. <laughs> like just all these like rumors about Trump's P tape. We don't really have a, a a source on it, but we 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 know it exists. I want to P leave. Like that's a sense a source of. Well, actually, to be fair, the Steele dossier might be more of a gray propaganda kind of thing, where it's like, well, it came from this guy, but we haven't seen really any evidence of it. Um, I mean, like, I, I think, I think it's yeah, gray. I mean, it's it's very unclear who is like yeah. pushing that. You, you know, know, we were trying um, to find a good example of uh, uh, an effective propaganda campaign, and the one we landed on was anti-immigrant sentiment in the South. Uh. Yeah, it's so perfect. I mean, anywhere really, because it doesn't have to be limited to like Texas. This this is the kind of shit where you can get virtually anybody on the right um, to to complain about, uh, like like broadly speaking, uh, to complain about immigration, and then a lot of people on the the left, right, or like on the Democratic side, to complain about you know the problem at the border and the problem of immigration, all this shit. And the issue is that it feels like ninety percent of the time this shit is just totally yeah. ginned up. It's just made the fuck up. That's there is no issue. It's not impacting me. At least not in a way I can feel it. Not in a way I can identify it. Um, or as as a leftist, I'd say the issue is a different issue, right? The issue is um, all about uh, systemic alienation for largely a white yeah. majority, right? From from a uh, from a position where they're kind of um, where their position in society and. Uh, their, their position economically and socially is kind of degrading, right? And then and then the narrative is offered up about immigration, but there's nothing really behind that narrative. The thing is, like, well, there are Mexicans that live in the United States now, and then those Mexicans are going to be, their children are going to be American. And it's like, oh, that's bad, right? And it's like, well, what if they were just fat Americans just like you were a fat American, right? They're just going to be brown fat Americans, which is the reality, they're going to be just as dumb as you are, but they're going to be brown, and they're going to know a little bit of Spanish probably for the first yeah. generation. And that's what's going to change. And that's very scary to people for some reason. I, I think it's scary because it's emblematic of... It's, it's, a, it's, a dem, it's a demographic symbol of a thing that's occurring in their lives, which is that um, the future of the nation and the future... And, and the future of the nation and their position in it has become more yeah. tentative. It's like a it's like a, a a change that they can see instead of a change that they can feel. It's like a visual representation of this is not the country that I grew up in. This is which is I think why it's a point towards that thing that we talk about, which is that propaganda works on those who already believe it. Everybody already believes that it's weird and threatening. That I guess everybody that's white, I, but that's not even true because black people also find this threatening, right? Like. If, if you're an American, it feels a little bit threatening that a, a different culture feels like it's becoming imposed on top of yours. Even if it's in a tiny sliver, right? The, the existence of Spanish on, like, a form at the DMV feels like something is changing and you are not part of the group that is now under consideration We've by talked society. before about, like, this all started because they had that chihuahua saying, Yo quiero Taco Bell, and now you got friggin' Ni Hao Kailan on the PBS... 
And it's just like a, a rapidly changing America that, I don't know, maybe I'm just predisposed to believe that change and diversity is a good thing. Um, you're not stilted, but other people are terrified of it. Well, but at the very least, it's neutral, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I think the, the part that isn't underlined is that this is threatening, that, that change is threatening. And then at the same time, if you asked even like a liberal, much less a conservative, and I have gotten some people just in common parlance to kind of agree with me, you go like, yeah, but you know about asylum seekers, right? Like, you do, we do have a, a, a legal obligation. It's literally constitutional, right? Because these treaties become part of our constitution because our system is kind of <laughs> fucked up and weird, right? It is le literally illegal to deny those people a shot at, at, at applying for asylum. You have to do that. And if you were to describe China or, or another place as a place that doesn't do this, they would take umbrage with that. And if you said, like, we are granting asylum to, you know, if, if they were a kind of commensurate to them, right, some kind of white Christian people or something, right? If you were to say that about, uh, what, about Christians in Iraq, right, that we were, we were giving them asylum, political asylum, Probably a lot of even conservatives would say, like, well, that's a good thing, right? I identify with those people. They're part of my in-group, right? They're Christian-ness, maybe. And I think that that's good, yeah. right? And then you go, like, yeah, but all those Mexicans are Christians. All of them, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know if there's... I've never heard of a single Jewish or Muslim uh, of, of uh, Mexican hey, in my life. The future president of Mexico is a Jewish woman. AMLO's successor is a Jewish woman. She's, She's a, a Jewish, Jewish woman. Mexican? Uh, she... She Good wears a gigantic cross, but I think that's like for political reasons. But yeah, she's a let, let me let me confirm. I, Dude, I, the Mexican <laughs> groipers are going to go insane. Hang on, Amlo's successor. I want to make sure that I'm not talking out of my ass and being like Jews are taking over. Yeah, Claudia Scheinbaum. <laughs> that is a crazy Jewish name. Okay, let's see here. Cla Claudia Scheinbaum, Pardo. She's the former head of government of Mexico City, and she's looks to be the heir apparent to uh amlo um which that talk about a propaganda campaign i mean you cannot find a lot of media that is favorable of amlo in america um it has to be like southern hemisphere or mexican press in order to find like people positively writing about him yeah i mean he's a populist right he's like a, a i guess you'd say like broadly left-leaning populist I mean, he's no fucking, you know, uh, Hugo Chavez, right? But he is, he does push back on, you know, I think what he perceives as globalization. He's critical of the United States. Um, as far as I understand it, he's very Christian. He's like very, uh, he's like, he actually is kind of anti-woke in that way. Oh, that he, wait, Christians are anti-woke? Uh, I, I mean, I think he's like, like pretty socially conservative, right? This is where I'm a fucking idiot, is that, like, I've just become so accustomed to the political binary, these, like, that I can't really understand. I should have taken a comparative politics course, is what I'm saying. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what it means to be a progressive conservative. So, if, reading about AMLO, often described as center-left, progressive, left-wing populist, social democrat, and economic nationalist. I can discern what, like, three of those mean. And, like, I really... And I'm, of course, looking through the lens of Republican and Democrat. I was thinking about this last night, of just, like, L.A. has a big problem right now, problem, where there are Republicans running as Democrats. 
And I think that like Republican and Democrat in America have become these metaphysical terms that don't necessarily mean anything about like your actual stances. Look at John Fetterman, who like had you know backpedaled on his progressive bona fides, but it's just like it, 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 he does have some pretty conservative stances. Now, yeah, that's that's something I did not expect to happen, which is just like the brand of the Republican Party becomes so toxic that they just like that kind of person that used to be, I guess, used to be a part of the Republican Party just becomes a Democrat. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're just like, it's either the Democratic Party has moved to the right and it now fits like my my political profile or... They're just, like, so ambitious that they're like, I have to stay in politics. I have to stay in power. I mean, I imagine for California politics that in a lot of municipalities, you just can't run yeah. as a Republican, right? So it's like, well, I'll just be a Democrat, yeah. right? And I think for a lot of those people, you can believe basically the same thing, yeah. right? You can be a pro-business Democrat that's essentially indiscernible from Republican, right? If, if Manchin is a Democrat, then you, anybody Kristen can be a Cinema, fucking Democrat, Great right? example. I mean, there's a reason why we say, like, a Texas Democrat, because that does say, like, in order for me to actually win, I still have to run quite conservatively. Like, I've talked before about uh, John Whitmire, our mayor, you know, he's a Democrat, but he believes that prisoners should not have air conditioning. <laughs> We're just like, yeah. all right. Yeah. I, I mean, you, 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 you paint Democrats as these bleeding heart liberals, but, like, that's not bleeding heart to me. That's cruel and inhumane. But we're also seeing a, a Democratic Party that's like kind of writing a blank check to Netanyahu. So, yeah. So, I mean, anyway, to, to, just to get back to like the broad definition, I see a couple. I see a couple different uses for propaganda in that way, right? There's the fig leaf thing that we talked about mm-hmm. before. There's the kind of um, a, a thing that you can point to to just get a policy across. And, and lie to people, right? Which is just very, very apparent in like uh, in, in both the example of, of Israel Gaza at the moment and uh, the UNRAW example, and then also for like the Biden uh, immigration bill stuff that's happening right now, right? There's a there are people are pointing to an immigration crisis, despite the fact that nothing has changed yeah. on the border. I mean, not I mean, you could say there's a crisis going on all the time, and that crisis is we have immigrants at all, right? Uh, undocumented immigrants at all. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're to analyze that with any degree of, of skepticism, there's no crisis in that sense. Um, so that's like a fig leaf. You have, um, a manufactured story that just gains utter purchase, right? This, you, you would say like a false framing, right? But the thing that's, the, the problem is like, it's not the frame that's the problem. It's the very premise yeah. of the thing, right? So that, that's not this crisis, but the broader problem of immigration, right? Which is seen as a problem in the United States, but I don't know that anybody can point to what the problem is, right? There there might, there could be terrorists, there could be criminals, there are drugs, despite the fact that, you know, the drugs are cartels, they're not, uh, you know, they function in Mexico, they don't immigrate here to, to, yeah. to deal drugs here. People you know? are more prone to believe in propaganda when they're facing, like, economic precariousness. You know, when, 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 Work is precarious when payment is precarious. And so you you develop the narrative of immigrants are coming to take our jobs. And then that narrative, or at least the, the, the prejudicial sentiment behind that narrative, 
gets imposed upon your family, your kids, you're, you're raising a generation of people that are skeptical of immigrants. And then also, like, I mean, we mentioned Chapo earlier, but on the Chapo they had with uh, Pendejo Time, the Texas podcaster, they're talking about, like, there's there's a large sentiment of, yeah, my parents came here uh, in a caravan, but they were the last ones to do it the right way. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking citizen, and I hate everyone who's trying to do what my parents did. Um I mean that's the so so Mexico is the kind of domestic neighbor version, uh, but I'm 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 fairly certain that on some level, um, on the labor level, right, on the kind of populist level, the worker level, um, that's essentially the same sentiment of um, uh, a rising China, right, and and kind of countering um, the decline of the U.S. Uh, and the rise of of China as an economic state are is deep economic anxiety, right? And you could say, I mean, I, I I've I've kind of I've said quiet for a second. I've said stuff like this and been told that I'm being economically reductive. But look, I'm I'm kind of a Marxist, right? So everything comes back to on some level um, some kind of materialistic some kind of materialistic foundation, yeah. right? So when you say, like, people are more susceptible, materialist concerns are the driving feature, you know, and our, uh, our anxiety about uh, materialism, especially in the United States, are the driving feature behind, in my opinion, all politics, Yeah, right? I'm with you right there. Is that maybe gay <laughs> stuff? I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Why, why are we so, like, frustrated with these gays? Because that, that is just not materialist, it doesn't seem like to me. Nobody's like, the gays are taking our jobs. I think right? that... The root of that is just, um, I used to roll my eyes at this, but the more and more I think about it, the more true it feels. It's just like, there's a certain inherent jealousy within bigots, because we see it all the time of like, these right-wing media pundits all have like some weird sex stuff going on. Why does Crowder constantly dress up as a woman? Like, there's, 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 there's a jealousy of them expressing themselves that they can't make sense of and they're not willing to look at. Um, and I think a lot of people don't really take the time to deeply assess what is it about homosexuality or this person's homosexuality on display that makes me so uncomfortable. Well, like, the, I, I think for, for, for guys at least, it's the, emac it's the emasculation element, yeah. right? To be, to be viewed as a sexual object... Um, is 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 um, in a way physically threatening in a way that like uh, in patriarchal societies men are not uh, want to to or it's it's not common to feel um and so and so therefore right like the, the conservative attitude that perpetuates um a, a, a conservative society that perpetuates like um uh like emasculation is bound to create uh, uh homophobia yeah. Right, it's like it's like a self-perpetuating kind of. Yeah, thing. I mean, I maybe we edit this, maybe we don't. Like, I, 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 I have no problem with it, but maybe other people would. It was like, you know, I grew up with my dad calling me a fag all the time, and so like I've joked uh, in the past that like once my dad dies, I can finally get a boyfriend. Like, I can finally explore like a part of myself I refuse to look at. So there's a really good tweet. Uh, that lives in my mind, rent-free, of course, of just like, 
oh, you want me to go to therapy so I can find out that I'm gay? So I can find out that I long for the touch and gentle caress of a man? So I can find out that, like, I've wanted nothing more than to feel the embrace of a fellow masculine entity? Yeah, no thanks, dude. Miss me with that shit. And I think... (laughs) That's fucking gay. I I, I think there's something to that of, like, it's very scary to look inward. It's very, very scary to see, like, I am an angry person. Why am I angry? And then to you know, pinpoint a particular childhood trauma onto the source of that. And, um, I mean, I fundamentally think that at least in the United States, it's one of the same drivers behind like, you know, Patriot fetishism, successful, uh, propaganda causes you to associate yourself with the structure. And so therefore when the structure is criticized, you take it as a personal criticism. Um, and in the United States, that shit is so fucking effective. I mean, anything you say about the United States in terms of, uh, in terms of you know domestic or foreign policy is always viewed through the lens of a criticism of individuals living there right by by liberals and conservatives it's just it's almost universal here you cannot criticize the United States without people taking it as a personal fucking yep. affront right um, and god damn if that's not effective properly yeah, god damn if that's not like you know if, if people talk about like Hollywood as the basis for a kind of um, a perverse American id, that shit fucking worked, right? If you lived in the Bush years, you remember how well it worked. Oh, yeah. Over and over and over again. To do things that I think if you would, it, with it, in, a, in a vacuum, that uh, Americans would never want to do on their own, right? Kind of un, unprompted or unframed in the way that it is as an attack on a kind of, uh, you know, uh, a sovereign, um, sovereign personhood or oh, something yeah. like this, right? Hollywood sickos, man. To the point where it's almost become a parody, of just like I'm so sick of seeing like celebrity endorsements, like people really gunning for Taylor Swift to endorse Biden. That Crystal Ball made a you know say what you will about her, but she made a really good point of like Hillary Clinton had every celebrity endorsement in the world and it amounted to nothing. <laughs> so like the celebrity uh, perversion of politics is uh, no longer effective and may not have ever been effective, but boy was it something that. The Bush era loved to harp on. I mean, I wonder on some level if like cults of personality, right? Like with Taylor Swift are not, are not, are not seen as threatening simply because they are like a replacement of a greater narrative, right? So to, to where the idea of like having a, I mean, certainly we get this criticism as, as leftists, right? Like if you are, if something is bigger than the, you know, than, than the American narrative, than this thing that we share, and if you are fundamentally skeptical of that project, then you are on some level a traitor, right? You are a cultist, right? You must be in some way kind of like insane, right? And we look at Swifties the same way. Now, you know, it's a cult of personality based on a kind of mediocre pop star, right? But it does feel and look insane, right? That you would like base your life and a bunch of your worldviews on maybe, you know, at some level, like the cryptic messages inscribed in like Taylor Swift's songs or just like... You know, have like like those tweets, right? If Taylor Swift endorsed uh, endorsed Gaza, right, like it would change a million opinions overnight. I actually do think yeah. that's true. If she did, if she did like criticize Israel on some level, I think that would cause an actual sea change in social opinion. Now, I don't think she got to where she is because she's gonna rock the boat and you know make make that kind of uh, you know make those kind of waves for herself. Um, but now that she's there, I bet that she could. There's a comedian, Jaffer Khan, now living in New York from Houston. 
and he uh, he's very very funny, and um, he made a video uh, parodying Taylor Swift at the Grammys, where she says cease, and everyone's like, oh my god, she's gonna say it, she's gonna say it, and desist. <laughs> like, ah. <"Aw." laughs> well, on that note, damn, I think next time we should definitely we should definitely take an episode to really dive into Taylor Swift QAnon because there's a lot there. I. I don't know enough about it. It's so funny, but I, I'm just, I'm just not going to. I'm just not going to become a Taylor Swift cultist. I can't, like, I can't. I don't have time to listen to all the albums and and figure out uh, their deep meanings. And to be honest, I'm a little bit afraid that I might become a true well, believer. It, a believer. It, it could happen. Her next album comes out April nineteenth, which is the anniversary of the end of the Waco siege and the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs> um. Fuck, she will. Yes. She will reverse the cosmic rules. bad vibes that are overtaking this country. Um, so you know, I'm here for it, dude. I I, I want uh, the Swift God Emperor <laughs> to swiftly dispatch with our fucking enemies. Oh man.